address that because I did. I've, I've, oh, okay, okay. I've got it for you, yes. That works. You think we should move the TV so she can kind of see them? Or Thank you. You think it's better like it is? Can we, or is it? Uh-oh. Is that me? She screwed you up. No, it doesn't reach. Doesn't reach to that one? Mm -hmm. Oh, because you have the speaker phone yeah. too. All right. Sorry, man. That's okay. We don't need to see you. We don't need to see you. Hmm? We don't need to see you. Yeah, that's what I mean. Michael can stand there and mine. Why is my microphone so loud? I know. So. Be careful. Careful for that wire. And the mic's on. That's where my son has gone for four years. Yeah. Um, Oops, this is the wrong one. Did you guys get this one? The legislative item process? You said this? No, we didn't get this one either. I have. So I left my. I have. What did you want? The policy? The, the uh, I just want to make sure everybody has a copy of the. Oh, oh you don't. Have to. No, I, I, no, I don't have to. Okay. Unfortunately, I my notes on my desk. Those. Yes. I give you about five to seven minutes to get her back up. Do you want to go through the procedural? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. My wife does that to me all the time. Okay, we're gonna call the meeting to order. Uh, so uh, first, uh, I, again, I wanna apologize to everybody. If you were here last, uh, I had a blowout. I apologize, it was not my plan. Um, I was uh, texting, I was telling everybody that I was gonna be here on time and uh, it was closer to 7.30 by the time I got actually got back home. So I was overly optimistic and uh, and I learned that my car doesn't have a spare tire. So again, I apologize for, uh, for that. Um, Mr. Chair, if I may, uh, just as it relates to the agenda. So item number one, the election of chair and vice chair is now, uh, we no longer need to do that, given council's recent action of changing the appointments recommendation committee members at the end of February. So uh, that was a carryover from our, our previous agenda. So we can, we can continue uh, with not taking action on item one. And then just real quick with housekeeping, I did wanna let the public know that any of the attachments are uh, printed right on that back table right there. And I did wanna highlight the optional amendments. The attachment on the agenda has not been updated. I have since updated it with the action that, council, that, that the committee previously took. So the printed document is the updated, the most recent updated and that's gonna indicate the action that was uh, previously taken by the committee. So just wanted to highlight that. Thank you for allowing me to interrupt. Uh, thank you very much for that update. Uh, so uh, while the uh, item is coming back on forward, uh, for everybody's uh, benefit, the city council protocols require that the, uh, of all the committees that the art committee change its uh, membership every year. The idea being that uh, we don't get to appoint every single person on every single committee. Uh, so our appointment was up at this last 
uh, council meeting, uh, we have been granted an additional one month period to wrap up this goal setting policy. Uh, and then the, the new board uh, will come in and be sat uh, here. So what I would like to do, just to kind of start while this is coming up, is we've been tasked to have this completed by the end of February. That's right. Is if we can get the calendar dates on the calendar right now. Sure. Uh, so that we have this wrapped up by then. Uh, so I would like to start with our next, and I guess my question would be, do we think we need one or two more meetings to, I'm thinking two just to make sure we land the plane, and if we don't need the second one, we don't have the meeting, but. That works okay. for me. Does that work So for if you? that works, uh, in terms of availability, uh, I'm gonna start with uh, February 7th, a week from today, and to see if, and then my next date would be the 21st, and ideally we're done if we meet on the 7th and the 21st. I'll be out of town on the 21st. You'll be out of town on the 21st, okay. I, I'm actually gonna be out of town um, from the 20th on. So let me propose, um, again, I'm gonna take the, the, the benefit of the chair is we have Economic Development Committee and Finance and Audit and Budget on the 8th. We could roll straight into this at six o'clock, just stack them deep. On which date was that? February 8th. Yeah, so uh, Mr. Chair, I would note that I'm uh, gonna be out of town, but the committee can still uh, obviously meet. I would just note that I, I'm not gonna be here. Are you thinking two meetings? Two meetings, I wanna get two meetings on the books. Okay. And then uh, if we need the second one, uh, we'll, we'll have it if we can land the plane on the, uh, the 7th. Or, uh, let's start with the 7th, let's stay with the 7th then. Does that work for? Westside Community Council. Westside Community, okay. So what about the 8th, I 6 o'clock? a medical procedure on the 8th that's okay. going to go over to the 9th. Uh, I will put throw out Tuesday the 6th. I'm open. Tuesday the 6th? Yes. Okay, so we will meet again on Tuesday the 6th at 6 o'clock. Does that work for you too, Michael? That... Sure, okay. <laughs> Tuesday at 6 o'clock. And then the following week, um, I would, I would uh, throw out the 15th, Thursday the 15th. Just give me one second to check the city's main calendar as well. Oh, we're more important than that. <laughs> we are then. Monday the 15th? That February. February. Oh, that's right. Uh, so I've got on my calendar that there is a proposed ARC meeting on February 15th. Imagine that. Wow. It was for if we were going to replace the ARC members, that was a proposed date. So it works for us. Okay. I can probably get here on time. Okay. Councilmember Duran? Perfect. Okay. So we've got uh, February 6th and February 15th at 6 p.m. We will be done on the 15th. Perfect. Okay. Uh, and one more sound check now that Jenna has rejoined us. Jenna, can you hear us okay? Yes. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Uh, 
So we have our attorney for 20 minutes. So we're gonna jump right into the, uh, uh, what do we call it? The uh, harassment? The ethics the, policy. E ethics policy um, on it. So uh, Michael, if you wanna give us, we have uh, two options, I believe, in terms of how those would work and uh, you can kinda give us a, a staff summary. Sure. Um, so the, the first option, uh, Jenna and I worked on kind of tracking what the council or what the committee was looking for as far as um, providing some of the preliminary uh, process and timelines for what to do when a complaint comes in. Um, option one includes kind of an early off-ramp. So if the complaint comes in, and the, the council would meet in closed session to discuss that and decide if it warranted an investigation or not. If it did not, then the council, an option for the council would be to do an admonishment, which is just a general uh, reminder to the council as a whole that um, certain behavior is not appropriate. Um, if the council decided that an investigation was necessary, then the council would direct me to uh, retain a third-party investigator to conduct that investigation. Then the, the, um, when that investigation is complete, there's a timeline for me to return to the council in closed session to discuss that investigation and um, the council then would decide whether they wanted to do anything or not. And if they wanted to do something, they would have the option of uh, a warning to the offending council member, which is um, uh, kind of like an, ad, uh, like an admonition, or not an admonition, I'm sorry, but a um, lesson of censure, I guess. And then censure would be the other, the other one. Both of those would require a, a due process um, and uh, give the offending council member the opportunity to respond uh, either prior, to, at least prior to the vote um, before the council makes a decision on that. Um, and then the censure would require certain findings be made and a resolution and, and, and so on. The second option was uh, just uh, an attempt to try to capture what I think some of the com committee members were looking for originally, which would, uh, essentially trigger uh, a censorship hearing at um, in, in if, if the council decided that an investigation was necessary would automatically send it into a censorship format um, after the investigation came back if there were findings that um, there was something done that was inappropriate the council would in addition to those um, censuring options would have other uh, options of such as the admonishment and the warning which is what um, I just discussed so it kind of sent it by default into a censorship uh, resolution process um, as opposed to option one which which kind of gave an off-ramp and then some options for the council going into the decision okay did i capture that correctly jenna yes and then we also i don't know if you have a redlined version but we in on the top or the beginning where under the statement of purpose we also added a sentence um, about Andy and I were kind of thinking that if obviously up to you, but these procedures would really apply to the entire protocols. Um, 
not just the ethics policy. And so um, we added to the very beginning of the statement of the purpose to say that the code of ethics are considered serious offenses. I think to distinguish the, a violation of the protocol, such as exceeding the time limit for speaking, as opposed to something that would, res, which, would which would not result in censorship, right. yeah. and something that would. Right. Yeah. Uh, questions for? Could I could I ask a question? It's I oh, think yeah. you can hear me, right? It's loud. If if I can ask a question at our last council meeting. Uh, a little kerfuffle uh, happened between the mayor and one council member about the questions going on. And I've had about 17 emails asking if he's going to be reprimanded or censured, about speaking of the mayor. Um, I haven't answered any of them, but I'm wondering how that would be dealt with. Is that part of our protocol or censure mechanism? Well, I think the way it's worded, it's, it uses the term complaint, but that doesn't mean necessarily a legal complaint. So it could be a complaint from a, an employee, such as we've seen before. It could be a complaint from, I guess, another council member um, if they wished to raise that issue. Um, it would still run, run through the same process, um, but it and Jenna, correct me if I'm wrong or if you have different thinking on that, but I think that was kind of the intent. It didn't really matter where the complaint came from as far, as long as it got shuttled to the city attorney who would then agendize it for closed session. I agree. I think our goal was to write it broad enough to where it wouldn't necessarily have to be, you know, a written complaint coming from a member of the public, it could be an employee or, you know, somewhat, you know, in another member of the city council. And so it can encompass all of those things. Thank you. Okay. Uh, again, uh, I'm going to, I want to open it to public comment uh, so that we have the attorney here. Uh, so we have 15 minutes. Uh, so if you can keep that in mind, uh, I'd like to start with public comment if anybody has any. On, on, again, this is focused solely on the Code of Ethics. I'll try to be brief because uh, yeah, other people want to talk. But, Go ahead, please. Um, when I'm, I'm unclear if this um, draft Code of Ethics replaces the city council code of ethics in the protocols? There's a whole section in there. So is this, you drop this in and you take the other out? I don't know, I don't know. And so let me, let me tell you what yeah. I- Go ahead, please. I, we can, I assume that's the case, that you, uh, that's gonna happen. And then I say, well, there are a number of things missing. It doesn't say anything about a conflict of interest or an appearance of a conflict of interest. It uh, doesn't say anything about the mayor's responsibility to intervene when a violation occurs. And I would add, maybe it could be proactive to kind of tamper down the temperature beforehand would be a good thing. It doesn't say anything about gifts and favors or use of public service uh, resources and campaign practices. But if you go to the existing code of ethics, there's even more. And so you may want to update that document or vice versa appropriately. Make sense? Mm -hmm. you know, okay. Um, the proposed 
document is heavy on process and extent of punishing a council member, and it doesn't say much about de-escalation or working to make sure it doesn't happen again. And, uh, and some, there's, I'm a little bit scattered today, but I'm gonna say, I don't know if it's legal for a council to hold a meeting and not invite a particular council member. You guys can figure out, Andy, you're, you're the lawyer, but it, it, I've, I've tried a little bit look online and I couldn't actually uh, figure that out, but uh, I wanna put that out there. I don't know how uh, you ex exclude a council member. Um, the process can lead to an admonishment without hearing from the offending council member. I realize that an admonishment is a general you know, nobody publicly gets pointed to, just a warning to basically all the council members. That's good, I like that. But presumably, that whole issue started with an, a council member who went out a little beyond where he should have. And he never, there, there seems to be a feedback loop there that ought to be made because if you're meeting without him, maybe he needs a little guidance, maybe you need it, you know, why not take that, um, particular situation to help provide a little guidance or coaching to somebody. Um, there's no process to define to de-escalate the issue with HR. Um, when it goes to an investigation, I'm not, I'm, it seems to me that there's some things you can do inside first. We've got a whole HR department, and I know there's this whole issue that council doesn't, you know, and HR are separate entities. But maybe uh, the, the city attorney can lead an investigation using the HR uh, and their expertise on maybe how you know, these things can be de-escalated before you go outside. There's so many cases where there's just a misunderstanding, and if you don't temper it down, it, before you know it's just you know, escalated and it's out of control. So I just feel like there should be a lot of more effort up front to try to calm things down. Uh, Councilmember Duran, I think you mentioned something similar. You want to fix the situation. You don't just want to spank somebody for it. Um, I don't quite know what happens at that first and second council meeting. So for an admonishment or whatever, you have a first meeting. What does a city council decide? If a case comes up, does he, they decide whether it's an admonishment or a warning? It, it's unclear to me. And let's say, let's take the case when it's a, it's gotta go to an investigation and then the report comes in, comes to the city council again with the city attorney. What decides at that? I mean, does the, the, the council deciding whether the offending councilman is guilty? In which case, why are you gonna vote on it? You've already voted on it in effect. I'm, I'm unclear, What's that, what actually comes out of that second meeting? And how is it decided? Okay. Um, and same thing with first. I just want to get everybody's. Yeah. Try to it. get everybody's, and then we'll um, we'll come back to. Uh, you have the offending council member will be provided appropriate notice to prepare a, a verbal or written response. Seems like you ought to write a time. How how much time? It's too important to just leave it open. And some guidance on what's admonishment, what's a warning, and what's censure. Some, you know, high-level guidance, so it's just not open to any particular council at any particular time. Seems like uh, it's important. That'll be it. Okay. 
Hi, Glenn Overly. I'm just, I'm going to, one of the questions I have, or one of the comments I have, is related to everything in the ethics refers to the offending council member before he's ever been convicted or labeled that. That seems like bad language to use. It's kind of a predetermination. I want to go over the original issue with, let's just use Councilman Mike Johnson, for example. So last time we were here, it started out with HR went to the city attorney. I hope I have this correct, and I'm just abbreviating it. City attorney went outside investigator to investigate. City council has closed door meetings without Mike Johnson being there. Then we have the public meeting, which was very rushed, where we had multiple people that spoke on behalf of Councilman Johnson. But that was dissenture. Then council created a resolution, which they've never enforced. I don't remember the date of the meeting, perhaps uh, the city clerk remembers it. But my point being, how is this new option one, option two, different than what we've done in the past? And then secondarily, if I were to run for council and I was to use my, my, my free speech as a council member to ask questions of staff and staff thought it was aggressive or whatever, could they complain under option one or option two and lead us right to the path we had before? I don't care so much about that as I do as a council member, do you get any, any council to represent you before you answer any questions related to the investigator? I'm concerned because I think if you're not given some type of counsel, that maybe you make statements that are bad for you as a council member. Another, another kind of point. So council member Duran, you're very friendly, you're a, you're a person that comes up, touches people all the time, um, that's your nature. What happens if you go to an employee and you put your hand on his or her shoulder and they misconstrue that as some type of harassment or a behavior that offends them? Do you get an option to have counsel before the rest of your council members determine what's gonna to happen to you in the future? Does option one or two cover that? And I think that's it. Thank you. I kind of just echo some of the things that he said. Um, both of these options, you seem to be determined guilty before you have a chance to defend yourself. Um, and even beyond that, there is de-escalation, but it's just a diminishing level of punishment. So you're determined guilty and you will be punished before you have a chance to speak for yourself. Um, it mentions, both the options mention due process, and maybe that's due process, but I don't think so. I mean, I, I printed off something about due process, and, you know, if I was an attorney and spent many years reading this stuff, I probably would fully understand it, but it certainly seems to imply that you get a chance to defend yourself, in, up to and including uh, cross-examination, and there's, there's no provision in this for cross-examination. And the, the last thing I wanted to say was, it's not mentioned whether this will be done in closed session, 
But uh, assuming it is, I'm not sure that that would be in compliance with the Brown Act because it says it, very limited things you can, you can do in closed session according to the Brown Act. One of them is personnel matters, but it specifically excludes elected officials from that category of um, uh, personnel matters. So those were my questions. Thank you. Bert Handy. Listen to the conversation tonight in regards to what's going on and one of the issues, using Mike Johnson as an example, um, he would ask questions that were penetrating and factual and people just didn't like the way he asked the questions. Has anybody looked at the idea of possibly having a council member write the questions down and having another council member ask those questions? Because if they're relevant to the topic at hand, why not have somebody else read it to de-escalate the situation? And then the council member, Mike Johnson, could do a follow-up if he had any questions about what were asked. That way you're having somebody ask the questions other than the person that may be offended because of the person that's asking the questions. Have another council member do it. And then that way you're eliminating the potential of having a problem. So I just kind of wanted to reiterate that it does feel like it's punishment first with, without any resolution up front. I think resolution is first and foremost the most important thing. Um, in any business, you would go through an HR, and I agree with Mark, why can't we try to use the HR department, even though city council member doesn't necessarily, they're not part of staff, if, if city council members agree to that process rather than spending $67,000 on that. It, it just seems like a fair process. Um, there, there just has to be a way of de-escalation and finding people come together rather than saying they're guilty immediately. Um, and as Bob said, Government Code 54957B, as it relates to the Brown Act, it does have a specific note there under personnel matters where it says personnel includes employees but not elected officials. So I have a concern about that. Um, I think this could be a much better process and not, maybe not so political, like if you've got the majority of council or staff that doesn't like a person, you know, there are, there are elected officials that's important, and now that we're by districts, if they can't speak, you're talking about all of the people that they represent. And it's hard when you may or may not like a person or agree with them, but they do stand for all the rest of us in our district, and we vote for you. So I hope the process is really clear and, to me, fair. Thank you. Speaker, did you, okay. Okay, so we got, I'm gonna call it five minutes uh, with our outside counsel. So do we wanna address any of those comments? Yeah, I was making notes. I could probably address them. Jenna, did you have any comments specifically you wanted to mention while you're still with us? No, only if you, know, if you have any specific questions for me. I don't um, have any comments. Okay, and feel free to drop off when you need to. I know you have another commitment. Um, so I, I just wrote down some scratches here, so I'll try to, um, the coaching or de-escalation, the, the 
purpose of this, as we understood it from the committee, was to provide some structure and as much as possible objective structure that, that, the, that the council could kind of roll into if it, if it were needed. It certainly doesn't exclude um, de-escalation. It doesn't exclude council members calling each other out on the dais or, or the mayor speaking with the council member off the record. It doesn't exclude any of that. Uh, and that's why I think the, the, the first option, which these weren't not meant to both be included in the ethics policy, so we would, we're hoping the council pick would, would pick one of the two. The first option kind of creates that off-ramp, right? So if a complaint comes in and it gets presented to the council, the council can decide based on the nature of the, of the complaint whether, whether de-escalation is appropriate, whether a, you know off-the-record meeting would be appropriate, like one or two council members, whether it needs an investigation. So that's, that's kind of what that was designed for. Um, as far as the comment about the existing code, uh, most, of, most of what was mentioned is picked up in other places, either under state law, such as conflicts of interest, or in other places, such as the mayor's duty. That's already built into the, the protocols. So we thought in some cases that stuff wasn't ne needed to be restated. If the council committee wants us to, we can certainly add that stuff back into the, into the language. It wasn't intentional to remove that. Um, the in internal investigation versus the outside investigation. Uh, these these complaints and handling these, these handling these complaints are very complicated, and um, and while I agree that it would be simpler to have staff or the HR department investigate a claim, we certainly can do that if the council wants. But when you're dealing with uh, a council member who is essentially one of seven who are have firing and hiring authority of the city attorney or the city manager, uh, it puts staff in a kind of an awkward spot to try to make a decision one way or the other that could affect, affect what happens. And I think more importantly, going to the due process, uh, which was important when we did Councilmember Johnson's investigation, to make sure that it's a fair process, not just for the employee, but also for the council member. And if, if, it's, if staff did an investigation um, and it was, against the council member, for example, there would always be a question whether it was fair and objective. So that was the reason why uh, if, if an investigation is needed, it would be our recommendation that it be an, inter uh, an external investigation. Um, what does the council decide in the, in the two meetings? I think the, the first, and you make a good point that um, the Brown Act does not allow the council to discuss discipline of a council member in closed session. That is true, uh, which is why um, the council needs to meet uh, on potential litigation related to, uh, for example, in the one before, which was mentioned, there was uh, the risk of litigation from the employee. So it wasn't um, punishment of the council member that was, that was the nature of the conversation. It was, what was the, what's the proper next steps to take given the nature of the complaint? And the, and the investigation. And that's why it was important that the council not take any action, not take a vote in closed session to, to, to take any action against the council member, but instead that needed to come to open session where that conversation could occur. So that is a fine line, um, but uh, I think that that is appropriate under the Brown Act. But we are right, we can't take action against the council member. So I guess to the earlier question about a council member complaining against another council member, if it's if it not the type of complaint that would open itself up to litigation, that might have to occur in open session. 
uh, in, that, in that scenario. Uh, in this second finding, and, and if, if there were a word, I did glance through here quickly, um, it was difficult to, uh, in working with Jenna to come up how, with how you describe the, the council member who has a complaint filed against him or her. It's kind of awkward to, to describe them. It's not intended to, to suggest that they're already, they're already the offending council member. We can work to kind of clean that language up so it's clear. The intent is, is obviously to, to, to remain um, completely independent and not point fingers until the investigation is complete, at which time the, the council can decide what the next step is. And then that second, that second closed session is intended to say, okay, we've got the investigation, um, we've looked at the findings, and now the council is tasked with determining whether those findings um, are the kind that could subject the city to litigation or not, and whether that, to avoid the litigation, does the city need to take action in open session to either warn the offending council member or, or um, censure him or her? So that's, that's kind of the nature of the two closed sessions. Um, as far as the um, giving the council member the opportunity to respond, um, the, it, nothing can, the time frame, I guess, is that it can't, nothing can happen uh, adverse to the council member without that opportunity being given. So the, if the committee wants to add a time frame in there for them to respond, we can certainly do that. Um, but nothing, no action can be taken, adverse act, action can be taken without that council member uh, participating or, or at least having an opportunity to, to respond. Um, uh, the guidance on the, in each of the three different actions it was very challenging to, to even break these apart because, um, you know, obviously an admonishment or a warning or a censure, all of it's really, well, the censure does include some negative action, such as removal from committees and that type of thing. But when you, you could also have a censure that's just a strongly worded um, rebuke of the actions, right? You don't have to have a removal from committees if you're being censured. So how do you make the distinction between a warning and a censure? Um, so that was what the, what the challenge was. The, the admonishment is simply to advise everyone without specific details that this needs to, you know, this type of behavior isn't acceptable. And then the, the warning and the censure, we, we tried to make those distinct enough so that it was clear. Um, if, you, if you're going to take some negative adverse action, you have to do a censure. If you're not, and you can just warn the council member, that would be the second category. So certainly, open to suggestions if the council wants us to, to try to clarify that at all. Um, the, the difference between this and what happened in the past, I, I think um, because the protocols didn't have any a specific pathway uh, on how to handle that particular situation, we were, we were left with trying to cobble together um, pieces of the protocols we were trying to do what was right legally to make sure we were addressing potential liability on behalf of the city. And, and so we just came up with a process that we, we thought was fair and that would, would um, work to, um, to keep an objective process for both. This is just designed, as I understood it from the committee, to provide a, a clearer pathway for that to happen. And so um, some of the criticism, for example, that, that was leveled against me was that I in initiated this investigation on my own. This would kind of remove that and would be, this is the, the committee or the council would be directing me to do that. So it's just, again, we didn't have that direction before um, in, the, in the protocols, this would just be an, uh, a way of doing that. 
um, to, to the council member or the um, question about the free speech. Uh, I'm sure you saw that there is um, there is language in this about um, preserving the council member's ability to speak freely, um, and this is not intended to, um, to to limit a council member's ability to speak. Um, and so I think that's again it's very difficult to make a distinction between what's said and how it's said. I think that's kind of the difference. Um, so again, it's if there's a different direction the council wants to go, we can. Um, the council, the, 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 if the council member is acting outside of the scope or potentially acting outside the scope of their responsibilities or duties as a council member, the city really has no obligation to provide them counsel. I, I cannot provide them counsel because I represent the entire council as a whole. Um, so the council member is certainly free to retain counsel if, if they decide to do that through an investigation uh, or, or this entire process if they want. Um, but the, the city you know, would, have to, would have to determine on a case-by-case -case basis whether some action is within the scope of that council member's duties or not. Um, so that's, that, that's part of the challenge. And part of the challenge of coming up with a completely objective process is there's a lot of scenarios that could, that could happen. Um, I may have missed some, but I think I cap captured most of them. Yeah, yeah let's start with um, the council question. I, I think one of the speakers, maybe Mr. Sirota, brought up that, that both options one and two mentioned the word due process, but they don't define how we can achieve that. And, and I think whichever speaker said, it's really awkward to see this process being drawn out in a closed session where any council member is not allowed to attend. So I think at some point to provide true due process, we would have to at least allow the council member to be at the closed session meeting and answer questions of the other council members defend themselves, and then if we needed him to leave for discussion, we could ask that. But I, I don't think anyone is given due process if they're assumed already guilty or if they're not given an opportunity to speak for themselves. And so I'd like to see something written in here, however small, on that. I really think we need to be very clear because these protocols we're doing right now will make or break the trust of the public with us. So in, may I? Yeah, please. So in, in option number one, when it talks about, uh, it's actually right below 2C, it says uh, prior to the adoption of the resolution, the offending council member will provide sufficient notice and the opportunity to provide a written or verbal response or verbal response to the complaint. After the offending council member has the opportunity to provide a written or verbal response to the complaint, the majority of the council may vote not to adopt the resolution but may decide to ensure or to issue a lower action against the offending council member. Um, so, so obviously if it's a verbal, they're, they're in the meeting with us, right? So would that be considered some kind of due process? I mean, they're explaining their situation. I think due process provides uh, 
just requires that the um, that the person against whom the action is taken has the opportunity to respond. Um, and that was one thing that wasn't explicitly laid out last time. Councilmember Johnson had the opportunity, you know, when he told him that he couldn't um, respond publicly, whether he felt that he could or not, I don't know, that never really came up. Um, that's why I think it's important in the protocols that it be clear that, that there will be given an opportunity for the council member to speak and whether that's in closed session, if, if that's appropriate, and it may be on a case-by-case -case basis, or certainly before the council takes any adverse action against the council member. Because remember, under the Brown Act, they can't take adverse action against a council member in closed session. It needs to be uh, done in open session. So, um, and if the council member wanted to submit something in writing prior to the closed session, that would certainly be an option too. But we can, if the committee wants us to do something else, we can. I'll clarify that in some way. <clears throat> I want to understand the uh, necessarily why you would want the council member in closed session to, to do that versus open session, I guess. And then how would we legally do that in terms of, are we talking about a, so we, we take the action, the council member comes into closed session what are we discussing? Is it still under the auspices of potential lawsuit, or are we now talking about a rebuttal of charges? I'm, I'm I guess you could. I guess you could. Um, you could argue that the council is assessing the potential liability, and in order to be able to make that assessment, they need to hear both sides of the story. Um, so I guess. I guess that's um, a possibility. In the in the case we had before. Um, the investigation can, included a, an, uh, an interview of both the offending party and the council member. Um, so the council may have felt, in, in, in assessing the liability, potential liability, may have felt that there was enough of a response um, to the allegations, at least in the findings. I don't know, that really didn't, really wasn't discussed in that context. But if the council wanted, or if the committee wants to um, allow for the council member to come into closed session and, and respond um, in the context of whether the, there's liability to the city. I think we could probably find a way to make that work. But, but no action can be taken. We're just hearing the person. Right, out. right. And is that, is that a Q&A with the, could the council ask questions or are they only listening to a statement in closed session? Well, again, if, if it's about assessing the potential liability, I think the council would have the flexibility to do whatever they want. My, my other question is regarding the re, let's, let's say we, we initiate the report, we come back with the, the findings, is the council member accused able to, they're still not able to look at the report, correct? The, the, the report is still sealed, is that? It depends, I think, in, um, in, in the case that we had before, it, it, there were details in that investigation that would have, um, you know, not were not subject to public um, dissemination. Um, so, in that particular case, um, um, the answer was no. Um, but um, again, there, there was a, if it was a council member complaining against another council member or a different scenario, right. um, certainly the, the same privacy issues that we have with an employee might might be different. 
And the, those privacy issues are dictated by state law. It's not necessarily an interpretation. Correct. Like it's, this is the law. Correct. You know, and they're not going to, regardless, they're not going to see it. Right. Okay. So the, the state law can't override the Constitution. And in fact, our, our state constitution incorporates the federal constitution. So a person's right to due process is kind of above council protocols and beyond the Brown Act. The protection of the employee is continued even if the council member is in the closed session meeting because the employee isn't there. Well, I'm not disagreeing with you. So, so I, I just, I really feel strongly that not allowing council member in that initial closed session meeting to answer questions and speak for themselves, to defend themselves to fellow council members is not appropriate. They should be there. That allows them due process. I would, I would say my, I, I don't have an issue if we want to bring a council member in after the initial conversation. I, I think we would still be under the potential litigation that they would be party of. So, but if the council, I, I, I don't disagree that we should have a due process procedure. I think it would also be, I would throw it to the council member in question, regardless of what it is, if they want to, if they choose to exercise their rights in closed session or in open session. They, they, they might say, I don't want to go to closed session. I don't want to force them to, to come in closed session. If they, if they want to do it in. Right, but they it, should be invited. I think so we can have a. It's their choice to come or not. Right, it's their choice to come or not. But I, I just don't want to compel that they, they have to make a, but I, I don't think it's the first meeting. I think if there's a, the, then there's a follow up where they're invited to provide their um, and I think that we as council members have to be very careful how we operate in that first meeting. I'm right, I would, I I would agree with you. Uh, and I think the city attorney is going to tell you we're under the, 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 the reason we're in the room without the other council members because it's litigation. It's a threat of litigation. So I don't think there's any situation where he's going to bring in somebody that's potentially being sued by us. Into I the room. I think the threat of litigation was from the employee, not the council member, at that time. Correct, but the, the city's not going to let somebody that come in, or any attorney would let that somebody that's going to be sued in the room. Someone that's going to be suing. Yeah. Or yeah, or the, that's a, a subject to litigation in the closed session. Yeah, I think I think clearly there's a conflict of interest there. Um, but which would, which would exclude them from at least the conversations about what the next steps are. But I mean, if the council wanted to say we're willing to give the council member an opportunity to come into closed session and make a statement, I, and then excuse themselves, I mean, I, I don't see that that's yeah, inappropriate. I don't, see, I don't see an issue with that. Yeah. Either. Um, I just it. think it needs to be in the protocol. Oh, I don't. I don't have. A dis I don't disagree with you either. I mean, that's fine. Um, was that? Yeah, we can we can work on some language that would maybe make that clearer. Are you thinking both in the closed session and in open session? Right. I, I don't want to force them into closed session. If they don't want to come in mm -hmm. and they just want to do it, you know, maybe they don't want to do it in open session either. I mean, it's, it's their, they have a right to due process. Right. If they want to exercise it in closed session, 
open session or both, that's... Well, and we saw in the open session, Councilmember Johnson, on the advice of his attorney, he said, was not going to speak. That was the open session. But I think that we would have been acting more properly, legally, had we allowed him to at least speak on his own behalf in the closed session before what happened went forward. Yeah, I, I, just, think, I just think the, the reason that that didn't come up is because we, we saw everything in front of, we, we read the, the reports, like we saw his comments, we saw the That's other still comments. someone else's Say it again? subjective report. Well, there were quotes. There were there were there were things that were said in there specifically, and that's, I mean, that's my understanding. I, I, that's that's why I believe he wasn't uh, asked to come in. Is because we had a lot of documentation in front of us that. I think but, we're regardless. I think we're in agreement. Yeah, I I think so, that you know someone has the right to speak for them. I, I would like to kind of go down the option one, option two. Uh, decision point, uh, and I heard uh, Lilith's comments uh, about uh, the, the potential of politics. I mean, and that was always my, when I started this, I wanted to try to get rid, I, I don't know if anybody was here, but my goal was to get rid of the politics, where, but to do that, in my opinion, we have to deal in absolutes. It, it, there's, th this will happen, and this will happen, and there, there's, there is no off-ramps. Per se, I, I think that's the only way to get rid of the politics is to then get rid of the off ramps. And, and I'm hearing that I don't think that's kind of from the comments and from my colleagues that they're looking to deal with absolutes. They want to deal with the that we have de-escalation, that we have admonishment, that we have uh, warning, that we have censure, so that there's these various. Because when I started this, I just wanted absolutes where there is no. There are no off-ramps. This protocol happens every time um, on it. So based on the comments that I've heard from the community, from my colleagues, I am more inclined to go with option one with the, the off-ramps because, uh, and the de-escalate, you know, we'll add some, we'll talk about de-escalation, but we'll figure out how to do that um, on it. So, and then what I'd like to do is, if anybody has any comments on that. Well, no, I, I'm in agreement with you. I. I then I go to public comment um, on it. But, yeah. yeah, okay. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think we should hear from the public. Sure. So if, come on up. Thank you so much. No, no. I just have a quick question. If, doesn't uh, determining guilt in closed session constitute an action, taking action? There's no, there was no, no determination of guilt. It's just, does the council, do we need to have an additional conversation in, in open session on this, or is this the end of it at the conclusion of the investigation? So there's no, no assessment of guilt. It's just. I didn't read it that way, but no, I'd take your word for it. Well, it says, unless otherwise relevant and allowed under open meeting laws, council's discussion will generally be limited to the complaint, the investigation, and whether any policy violations have occurred. But there won't be any action taken as far as, as, far as determining what the uh, punishment should be, if anything. I agree with that, but you have determined guilt. Well, there, there's findings, and I guess the, the, whether there's been any violations or not based on those findings. So whether they're, whether, and I guess that the point of that is, 
does the process end there? You know, if there are findings, if there are no findings, if there's no violations, then it, then the process ends, right? Seems a little gray, but my main point is just giving the accused the opportunity to defend themselves, making sure that's a key part of any of these type of processes. Okay. Anybody else? Just take, take a mic. This really doesn't affect uh, your two ideas, but thinking about the situation, everybody involved with this stays basically in a little closed group. Everybody is a city employee, everybody is involved. Have you looked at the option of having a third party outside the city review the videotape of the incident and tell you guys what his opinion is on it regarding Brown Act violations, regarding everything else, before everybody jumps into the quicksand of being an issue of everybody? Because I think a third party looking at it, other than everybody here, is going to be a much fairer operation. Somebody who's very experienced with this just like the young lady that was here earlier, if she's not a city employee. Somebody outside the city that's not familiar with all the politics. Kind of along that same vein, sort of, is you're talking about going, if there is a finding, to an investigation, not having any idea of costs, couldn't it potentially be like a mediator or something less costly than $70,000? Although I really like Bert's idea of a third party watching it rather than potentially having everyone involved. Just a, a question. It seems after hearing this discussion Andy, the city attorney, the issue is there's, there's guilt, and then there's you're protecting from the city being sued. That's your job. It's not it, it's not the same as guilt, right? And so you're going to lead. You know, there could be a preponderance of, of of information that says oh, it's probably not. You know, he's not guilty, but he could be sued. The city still could be sued, and that's the way this is written. And, and maybe it has to be. But because of that, that's why I think de-escalation is so important. So it doesn't get to that point. Anything we can do is to the point where it gets it out of litigation. Because once it gets to a question of litigation, it's you know it, it gets ugly. It gets ugly all over, and, and even the objectives get kind of screwed up. It's no longer guilt or innocent. It's can we be sued? And you know we can be sued for a lot of things, right? It doesn't, even if it's pretty clear that there's no guilt involved. So, anyhow. Anybody else? So I don't know the answer to this, but I'm having a hard time reconciling that you as council members, I don't know if you're represented by HR or anybody else, you hire the city attorney, you hire the city manager. Those are really the only two people that you have control over. Staff you have no control over. The city manager has the lion's share of control over staff members. Andy, you have control over your staff. My point is, 
who protects you guys? If you didn't do something wrong, and there's videotape that you asked some very sharp questions, and Mr. McReynolds, water pure, there were some tough questions that had to be asked. Mr. Ayub may think, wow, you were harsh on my staff. But when you're spending a half million plus, I'm sorry, half billion plus dollars, some sharp questions get to be asked. And I'm just concerned over, believe it or not, <laughs> concerned over counsel and what protections you have. Should we have a counsel HR? I don't know. But for anybody that would answer questions to an investigator that was hired by the city to look into something, I would be real hesitant to do that. I don't know why, but it'd be hard to give an open statement when everything's contained on the videotape. Thank you. Oh, please. It's funny, I kept due process. I taught government for 34 years, so I love hearing that. I think that's the basic thing that's missing from this is the due process for you all. Um, it sounds like obviously the person making the complaint should be protected and clearly should not have to necessarily speak to the offending or possibly offending council member. But I think it needs to be more clear what the due process is for council members. Um, and I'm just not hearing that. So um, the suggestion that you have the first meeting where you hear everything and then the second meeting where the council member is allowed to come in and speak either with prepared questions or a statement, I think that should definitely be in. And I think that's what Liz was saying and I think you were agreeing with her, but I don't want that to get lost. Um, so to me, that's something that's really important. So I guess the first question I have, let's talk about the investigation. I mean, I think Mr. Overly said it correctly. I mean, we hire two folks. That's, that's it, and we're not allowed to direct anybody else and anything else they do besides those two individuals. Um, if there's a complaint by an employee at a council member, what is the city's, yours, Mr. Ayub's um, responsibility if there's a complaint filed by an employee? Well, obviously, as was mentioned, the city can be sued no matter what we do. So I think at that point, the city staff is making every effort it can to try to advise the council on how to mitigate that, um, the, the, the risk of a lawsuit, right? And that, um, so that's why I think it's important that, there, that whatever's done be as objective as possible, that it be done um, as fair as possible, so that even if the employee decides to file a lawsuit, we can argue to the court that we've, we've done everything we can in a nearly impossible situation to, to make sure that the process was fair and, and protected the employee in the case of a lawsuit. For example, um, if an employee speaks out against a council member, is there gonna be a threat of retaliation? Is that going to impact that employee's job duties down the road? We have to consider that as well, which is why why it's important to keep the to get privacy in mind. Again, it's it's a really hard process, and I appreciate all the comments that are that are made. Um, and in the last one we were going through, these were all like very challenging questions. Uh, it's not easy, which is why it's hard to come up with a process that's completely um, objective. And I think I think Mr. Schroeder made a, uh, a a key point though. Your job is to protect the city as a whole, not the not the individual 
and your advice, your directions will always be to protect the city as a whole. Right. That that's your charge. It's it's not, you know. So I, I don't think there is somebody that represents the the council uh, at that point. I, I think our only option, you know, is to retain our own council uh, at that point. I, I don't see. Uh, I don't see out of that paper bag how do how do you that there is an exit out of it because their charges that the charter the state law requires them to protect the city and and that's their charge and I think that's the policy will do that and I think that's all it can really do. Yeah, as an attorney, I have a duty of loyalty to the council. That's that the client is the council, not individual council members. So I think that is it just. We're never going to. There, there is no resolution to that, to that particular question uh, on it. Uh, we can have a conversation about council member compensation if you'd like. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a different, different conversation uh, on it. So, uh, I'd like to turn it back to my colleagues if. I, I stand firm on due process. Okay, no. uh, the, the issue of um, this, the elected officials getting protected by council, some of us can afford a lot more than others, but I'm very aware that's not Andy's job. Mm -hmm. It's not his job to protect the employees either. It's his job to protect the city. As a whole, yeah. If, if I don't see how retaliation can happen if we're respecting the relationship with the city manager and allowing him to be the person who's directing and caring for the employees. Um, although I am aware that some council members um, have previously stepped over lines, but I, I think it's clear to us what the relationships are that we're sitting in the midst of. Okay, so uh, what I'd like to do is at this point is kind of settle the due process question in terms of do you think you have enough guidance to draft a, a potential due process or enhancing the... the yeah, what I, what I think I'm hearing is that you would like there to be some opportunity when possible to have the council member, give the, the council member the opportunity to at least uh, respond to the allegations at least early on. Mm -hmm. And then, if, again, if they want to respond publicly, if it gets to that point, they have, they have that option as well. Yeah. So there's two options here. Does he work on option one or option two? Because I'd like I'm, to recommend option one. I'm, I'm with option one. Yeah. I think one is clearer overall. Yeah. I think it gives everybody the off-ramps that I think we've been looking for. So I think we can move on from option two. Uh, so what I'd like to talk about is the de-escalation. In, in terms of that, the concept of, I think that's more, I know this is not the right word, preamble, but uh, maybe something in there that, you know, every effort should be used to DS, you know, not let it get to that, to that point, you know. I mean, the goal, it, it doesn't benefit anybody, so I think we're in agreement with, you know, that that has to be the, the first, the, the first thing, you know before we, you know, hopefully we never have to do the process because we were able to get the misunderstanding. So, so you're saying, if I, if I may, so you're saying so if, if we see something occurring, we try to de-escalate that before there's a formal complaint? Correct. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yes. 
And then, but there's going to be situations where doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, no, we, it may not even be in the in council chambers. It may be yes, no, walking through the hallways, and all of a sudden this complaint comes. So right. I, okay, yeah, I mean, I think, but I think the, the effort is de-escalation is always the preferred method. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and oh, there agreed. are we all realize there's going to be times where just that's not going to happen. It's just you know for whatever reason it's you know the common under the. So I don't know if you have anything regarding. I, just I think we also need to not automatically assume guilt on either side. We need to assume that everybody's coming into it innocently and allow the investigation to determine what's going on. Yeah, I think Andy was going to try to work on that length yeah. of the, the terminology. Okay. So the language, legal counsel, due process, uh, the Brown Act, and then I had the, uh, the, the last thing I had was the other protocols, uh, and, it, and so we believe, you believe, that the, uh, both of you, that the existing language in the other protocol sections cover conflict of interest, perceived conflict of interest, uh, uh, some of the other, the mayoral responsibilities in there. We can make sure that like, I, I, perceived conflict of interest isn't really a state, isn't really, the state law doesn't really talk about perceived conflicts of interest. So to the extent that the, count, the committee would like that to be kind of embedded in this, we can go through and just, if there's pieces that aren't picked up somewhere else, we can add them in okay. just to make sure it's, it's comprehensive. Okay. So I'm gonna try to land this plane now. So is anybody else on this, again, just the, this policy here, is there any other comments that anybody would like to please come forward. I think it's all good where you're coming out. I just want to uh, understand, well, the next document that comes out of this, is that going to replace that section in the present protocols? Correct. Just want to get everything in there. Okay, so everything that's in that present protocols that isn't, isn't addressed in the document we have in this draft will get at it. That's what if it's doing. not if it's not already covered by state law or in the protocols, if it's something like the perceived conflict issue, we can we can make sure that gets embedded in here. Okay, but for instance, uh, that's where the uh, the mayor coming in was identified was in that section, you know, coming in at the meetings trying to uh, uh, his responsibility or her responsibility was all in that section. Is that section? It's in the protocols in general. That, that, that the mayor has the responsibility of, of doing that. We can also, as part of the de-escalation language, we can add something, you know, kind of highlighting that the mayor has the responsibility to, okay. to do that. I just want to make sure what's in it, we don't lose the stuff that's in there. And then so the idea would, okay, please. Also, if the mayor doesn't enforce the rules that the deputy mayor or the city attorney does, because if it if it isn't if it isn't enforced, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I want to make sure that they follow the rules. Yeah, I, I would go a step further and add that as council members, we're also thank you responsible for. Okay, so I'm going to close out this item with the goal that the draft that we see on the date that I've already forgotten the Wednesday sixth. I think it's the sixth. <laughs> the sixth. Uh, will be the final draft that we'll make a we'll be making a vote and a recommendation onto the full full council. Uh, 
with that. So uh, I'd like to go another, if it's the pleasure of the committee, another 50 minutes, uh, but I want to be respectful of anybody's time. Uh, if there's a time you'd like to be done, I'd like to go back to the, the list and start working through those items, but I would like to determine a, a hard stop. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, Councilmember Campos, if there is 8 o'clock good for you, or would you... Uh, I'm good at 8. I, okay. I, I told my ride to come later so okay. that we wouldn't be... No, I, 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 I just want to... against the clock, so 8 o'clock. I want to go have dinner. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, then so, we'll stay until 10. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> if that, I'm going to have to ask... Uh, we're going to have to take a vote to have uh, the city manager go get us pizza. So... <laughs> Or you, do you have a, okay, so we'll go to uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, I'm going to need a little refresher uh, from Mr. McDonald or Mr. Hagelin. Where were we sure. in terms of? So uh, uh, real quick, on the optional amendments uh, table, the grayed out areas are the areas that we have already taken action on. The justification and action portion of the table uh, has the language for what the committee has already taken action on. So it's been updated to include, for example, on page number four, you'll see the part where we uh, discuss public communications appear on all meetings, uh, the first, uh, first of the month for three minutes, 20 speakers. So it's been updated for what you've already taken okay. action. So all of the uh, ungrade boxes are what you have not yet taken action on. Okay, and then with the, uh, that we're gonna spend 50 minutes here, is there a meteor item that you would recommend that we uh, start with? Uh, I think I think there might be a few, and I'm going to defer to uh, the city attorney to see if he'd like to prioritize. Um, I, I think one uh, larger question is the meeting end time and the um, changes to the protocols. So right now, there's a 10 o'clock, as you all know, soft soft. Um, just for everybody's clear, we're looking at item, item eight. number eight. Okay. Yeah, number six. Yeah, number six and number eight. Number six and eight. So uh, it just seems meaningless to just break what, what's happening at ten o'clock. And I know the intent is to make sure we're not taking new items beyond ten o'clock if they can't be completed by eleven. But it seems like maybe um, it might be more efficient to eliminate the ten o'clock motion and then have the meeting stop at eleven p.m. Uh, unless the committee or the council decides on a two-thirds vote to extend it. And that two-thirds vote would apply to any changes of the rules. So um, it doesn't make sense to have a majority of council vote on the protocols and then allow them to be changed on the whim would be one way of looking at it. Um, if an item is in the middle of uh, being discussed, then what one thought would be is if it's, if the public is speaking uh, and it becomes 11 o'clock, we could build into the protocols that the public communication portion of that item could be completed and then the item would automatically be continued to the next meeting. There would be a new agenda section called old business and so any items that were not completed on the prior agenda would automatically go there and they would be heard before, uh, before the formal items section of the agenda. Um, they would not be, if, if the com public speaking were completed at the, at the prior meeting, they would not be reopened on the second. It would just, the item would just pick up where it, was, where it ended and, and to, to go forward to finality. Okay. So is two-thirds vote four people or five people? Five. It's five people. 
and right now it's a majority. It's just a recommendation. You guys can do whatever you want to keep it in a majority. That's fine. Please, uh, if you have any questions. Well, sometimes it's it's better to define, you know, clearly. So two thirds is where we. That's just a normal but, vote. What's your question? I, I think it changes based on the number of council members. Well, yeah. because if we if somebody's absent, the the, the two thirds will change. Will change. Yeah, it's a different number. So I think that's why they did the the two thirds. And under the existing rules, our protocols um, allow for rule changes for a, for a minority, I'm sorry, for a, a majority, but the Rosenberg's rules require two-thirds to, to suspend the rules. So there's kind of this conflict. So we were just trying to make trying it to consistent. It yeah, that's, that was my question was it's kind of confusing. And the council can meet with four? Correct. Because okay. that's a quorum. Right, yeah, I just wanted to make sure. That, that was my understanding, but I wanted to make sure I was... Correct on that. Do you have any other? I I, I like that. I, I think that um, uh, we. I think what Andy just explained, or Mr. Hagland just explained, was um, makes a lot of sense. We can end that meeting and continue it to the next council meeting. We can end at eleven o'clock, and the only way we would change that is a two-thirds vote, which which I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense, and we and. Why vote on 10 o'clock if, if there's going to be a hard stop at 11? Okay. So my first question is, what's up with the 11 o'clock rule? Why, why, why does it, I'm not opposed, I'm just trying to, like, why, why does it why, exist? Yeah, why does 11 o'clock exist as a, well, I, I, th I think in general, council policies do have an end time, and so that you can measure the expectations, both the public and council can have an expectation or understanding of how long the meeting's going to go and when they'd be able to uh, complete the meeting. So there's, you know, usually uh, a, an end point so that you can get to finality, and the whole purpose is, is that we're not going till 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., uh, unless, of course, it's an important matter that requires a two-thirds vote, but essentially you try to have uh, an end point of the meeting. Okay. Great answer. <laughs> so my, my last question is, so we just moved the start time to five. Why wouldn't we move the end time to 10? Yeah, just yeah. A, we, a, we, I think this, this recommendation for 11 p.m. came before we changed the meeting schedule to 5 p.m. Okay. So the time, the end time is, is up to the committee. Okay. Okay, those are my questions. I'd like to open it up to the- And just before, if I could, just, sure. just, to, Please. Uh, just to clarify, um, it, because the way that the count committee has already kind of recommended the public communications occur and that there would be communications at the end, that 11 o'clock end date would still, if we ended the item right. or stopped the item where it you was, still we'd still need to have the public communications before we adjourned. Is there anybody that would like to speak on this particular item? Apologize, but I thought we moved everything to, regarding jumping back to the public speakers. Mm -hmm. I thought we moved everything to the beginning. Uh, if, if we did, but there's always oh, an there's end, always there's, there's always, always an end a, portion because we're limiting it to 20 correct. speakers okay, at the it, beginning. Okay. So in the event that there are okay. remaining speakers. Okay, so Councilmember Duran kind of gave, like, I believe, this, you, you're you're in favor of item six. Uh, uh, the justification action. I, I am, and okay. you know, you brought up a great point. Ten o'clock ending time. 
I, I'm, I'm fine with the 10 o'clock ending time. Okay. Councilmember Campos. Since, since we are beginning the meetings at 5, if we have enough meetings every month, we should easily be able to end at 10. We saw last time that we went from 5 p.m. to midnight, so we need some control in other ways. Um, the, the length of the staff presentation or and and or uh, council members speaking past the clock that we've set. I think, we've, I think we addressed those. This problem. Yeah. We've added some of that yeah. in, in what we've already discussed. Yeah. In one of the previous recommendations, we have uh, limited the council member comments to five minutes, uh, including response times and council communications to three minutes. That's item number 12. So I would like to see in the protocol that um, there be a, a bell or a buzz or a something to tell the council member time to stop. It, it does have a chime. I don't know if you hear it. It does chime when the timer goes off. It does. I, it, I hear it every it, time, but uh, yes. I might be the only one hearing it. Well, would that, who's, maybe who, put the clock, you know, maybe put the council member clock up on the screen. What about maybe like Well, a, what I will say is in the in a prior protocol discussion, we can display the timer on the screen. There's a, there's a, a protocol that exists today uh, that says that the timer will not publicly be displayed, and that was a prior council's decision. So oh, that... So that's... I didn't realize that. That was a, a prior uh, council's decision uh, to not have the timer publicly displayed. So that's a, that's a question for the protocols, and the protocols explicitly state that the timer will not be displayed on the TVs. So if this committee wants to make a recommendation that the timer displays on the TV, Show that, that's... And <laughs> I would like to strike out the word not and from that, that protocol. And I believe that is captured here on one of our... Number 13. Yeah, so number... We just haven't got there yet. Number th yeah, exactly. So it is encompassed in number 13 where it says the timer will display it on the dais monitors as a courtesy to council members. So that was actually a, 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 a quite contentious prior uh, protocol discussion by our, by our prior council. So again, it's not a recommendation. Uh, we, we are fine either way, but we have the ability to display the timer on the screens. I'm just curious, prior council, as in the last two years prior or prior to that? Uh, the last two years. Oh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So that was a change that came in 2020. It was Lori, it was Council Member Brown. None yes. of the council members we have now, it was yeah. the prior oh. set of council It was members. between Council Member Brown and Council Member Friedman. Yeah. yeah. I, I would still currently like to put it back in the protocol that it be displayed. Yeah, and, and we can do that on, on recommendation 13. Yeah. Instead of dais, we, we could say monitors. Okay, well, do we, well, if we want to you want to just do 13 really quick? Yeah. Just say, I, I think we're all in agreement. Yes. Okay. Okay. So 13, we'll remove the word dais, and we'll just keep the word monitors. And the monitors encompass all of the monitors, okay. yeah. as I do for public comment. Yes. Okay. Back to six and then Back eight. to six, yeah. Uh, so... So my, my, my follow-up question is, uh, regardless if it's a 10 p.m. or 11 p.m., uh, so we would, how long does it take to end the meeting? And this is really me debating between the 10 and the 11. So we, we take the vote, or we're gonna, uh, the, the meeting's gonna end at 10. How long does it 
typically take to wrap up a meeting from like sure I guess you won't know how many public comments are that, that, that's that's really the the key factor is the number of public communications if you were to take on average for example uh, what we've experienced over the past two years I would say on average uh, we've never maybe had more than five speakers at the end of a meeting uh, generally folks are able to get their comment in in the beginning especially if we're considering including public communications at the start of all council meetings that could potentially help us on the front end as well so it really varies depending on on the it, night it or would topics. be about 30 minutes potentially yeah maximum potentially. Gen general as a general rule mm -hmm. uh, not the not the absolute, but which, okay. would, which would mean we'd still get out of there about 1030. Maybe 10, 10, yeah, that's, that's why I, I wanted to yeah. ask the question. So and if you're in the middle of public comments on a, an agenda item, you might have to finish that, that out. So that might add some additional time as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that was the original intent of having two things. One, say no new item past 10. That would preclude you from having a conversation past 11, for example. That's why that was originally included, because the idea is, is if you're not on a new item, you would have been past potentially the public comment portion and other portions. So I believe that's probably the original intent of saying no new items past 10 to try to guarantee an 11 o'clock end time. But really, it becomes a procedural move, as, as you all know, that takes time and that we do on uh, almost every meeting. So you know, if it's not working, it's not working. But I think that was the original intent of the 10, you know, no new items past 10 and an end at 11 was to try to somehow guarantee an end at 11. So my question to my colleagues, and if anybody wants to chime in, just raise your hand, is where are you on 10 versus 11? Is the... My preference was to keep closed session at 5 and start the meeting at 6. It's created a hardship for me doing the 5 p.m. start time. And so it's irrelevant whether we stop at 11. The uh, council member Campos, apologies. It, you are a little far from the microphone now, so I'm having a difficult hearing you. Thank you. So for me, the end time is less important than the start time. The, I have a hardship to be here for the 4 p.m. start time and then 5 p.m. public meeting. So. 11 or 12 is irrelevant as long as I have some idea which so I can arrange my right my transportation home so Councilmember Campos if we if we have a hard stop at 11 o'clock and we have 30 or minutes of public public communications after that doesn't that affect your transportation no the last bus leaves at 10 the access bus ends at 12 but there is a program that's currently experimental with the county that will come later than 12. So it, it, it's been effective, although last time they were far out in the parking lot and I didn't see them, so I left with them sitting here. Mm. But the, the end time is easier to resolve for me. I, I like 10. I'm also in favor of the 10 o'clock uh, more because the, the way I'm looking at this is how do we make this a uh, more, I'm gonna use the term family friendly for our employees that, you know, and I think getting home, not that 10 is necessary, 10.30 is family friendly, but it's, it's better than midnight, 1 a.m. So um, on it. So I, I would make the recommendation that we, the, we eliminate, uh, I guess eight goes away and then six is moved to 10. Okay. And I, 
if that's... Yes. Okay, so we've done 6, 8, and 13. Is there another meteor one that you would as, like? as part of 6, are you okay with the, the old business concept yes. yeah, and I think that's stopping the item and moving it? Yeah, forward? I think that's what we're endorsing now. That's okay. Mm -hmm. And are you in favor of the two-thirds? Yes. would also address number 10, the two-thirds vote to um, suspend the rules and right. make the protocol. So 10 will say approved as well. Uh, I just want to make sure with my colleagues that they're... Yes. Okay. Yes. So we're moving the, the two-thirds. Two so we're getting rid of the majority to suspend protocols. That would be 10. It's, it's still a majority, but it's no longer a simple majority. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Yes. The, the next one would be item 15. Uh, this isn't a, a meteoric change, but this would be a little bit different uh, process. Um, it would, uh, currently, as you know, when you have consent, some, oftentimes a council member pulls an item to be able to vote no or to explain why they want to vote no on the item. Um, what we thought might work is just allowing a council member to vote um, on the consent calendar and then register a no vote on an item that they want to vote on and, and can provide the reason why they're voting no. So, Mr. Clerk, uh, I would allow my, uh, in, allow my, um, my vote to um, also reflect a no vote on item six for whatever reason. Would that be a point of order? That, so it's, it's generally, for example, there a council, when, when council makes comments on consent items, at that time, for example, a council member could say, I'd like to register a no vote on item three due to X. And so right now we have this process, which it's, it's actually not outlined that you have to pull the item to register a no vote. This is clarifying that you can vote no on a consent item and yes on the others without doing a formal motion. So this would be an, an example would be an item's coming up for a second reading. You voted no uh, the previous council meeting, but it requires two, two readings. So you could just say, I'm, I, my vote remains consistent. I'm no on item six. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then you could vote no on item six. That's right. Without having to pull it. Or Without having to pull the item. It, what, what then we also have to do is take a separate public comment period, which we would still have public comment as we do on, on consent items. But it adds additional time because it requires us to pull the item, tip, take right. a separate vote, take a separate public comment portion. So this would just allow a, a registered no vote. And that would be reflected in the minutes. And will you allow... Um, Public comments, public commenters to speak on more than one item on the consent calendar, also for efficiency. That's right. So right now they can. So right now the way that consent items are, they, for example, submit a speaker card, and uh, as you as you see and notice, they'll make comments on all of their uh, items on consent that they'd like to. Yes. Thank you. So that process will not change. You still have the ability to provide public comment on any consent item. No, I, I like that. There's a yeah, and I do just want to clarify uh, real quick as well, because sometimes we have items pulled, right, and then not to be considered. So I just want to clarify as well 
that generally what happens when an item gets pulled is since it was agendized, if someone's in the room and they wanted to provide public comment, they can. It's happened uh, at a meeting in the beginning of December, I believe, where there was a gentleman who still wanted to comment on his item. And so they can. Generally, folks will want to comment when the item's being considered, but I just want to provide that clar clarification that if an item is pulled, uh, they can request to provide public comment. Generally, folks will withdraw their cards and wait till the item is considered. Thank you. Mr. Andy. Yeah, one thing is that sometimes you have up to 13 consent items on a calendar, sometimes more. So if you say you're allowed to speak on consent items from the podium, how much time are you allocated, if you have three you want to talk on out of the 13, how much time are you allocated for each one? And if that's the case, does that eliminate, by speaking on three, if they're three minutes, does that eliminate your ability to speak on anything else? I don't think it, well, do you want to? I would say um, to that point, the Brown Act requires that members of the public be provided an opportunity to be heard on any item before a decision is made. So I think it would be within the council's determination as part of the protocols to say, um, we are going to provide public comment period, three minutes on any items on the consent calendar, whether they get pulled or not. If they get pulled for separate consideration or questions, the public wouldn't have the opportunity to address those items again. They would make all of their comments at the beginning of the consent calendar. That would satisfy the Brown Act. Yeah, and, and I would just add, the, the idea of the consent calendar is that those items are non-controversial, right? That's, that's the whole point. Now, as we just saw in our last council meeting, one item was controversial. So, uh, when was that? <laughs> so, uh, what, I, what I would say is that generally the way it operates is that an individual is given three minutes to address the consent calendar um, while also understanding that they still have the ability to have t a time seated, for example, and we have that maximum time seated if there was, uh, for example, mm -hmm. uh, an opportunity. They could also work with their council member if there was a desire to have it pulled. Even, even though we're saying you could register a no you vote, still, the council member still has the ability to poll for a discussion. And so that item could still be, uh, still be polled for discussion uh, from, a, a from any council member. Item. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Because there are items on there that some of us may vote no, but we don't need to pull it and discuss it because it's, uh, you know, it's gonna go. Sure. Yeah, that, it, that, that's, that's great. And if we do pull it, public comments and discussion. Yeah, I mean, I think of a, a registering no vote, take the, uh, the card room uh, item, for example. You know, I don't support card rooms, I register a no vote. But there's no need for us to, for example, pull it and have a separate discussion. Please. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm old, and I played golf this morning, so I'm tired. So I think what Bert was saying, though, is say like there's 12 items on the consent calendar but I want to comment on two. I submit a card, but now we're not submitting cards. Couldn't I possibly get three minutes per each one? This is my comments on item number three. I talk, maybe I only do two minutes and three seconds. This is my comments on item number nine. Would I get three minutes on those, or does council make a decision on that? So. I would leave that question up to the committee how they want to handle uh, consent and, and it's it's handled in many different ways in jurisdictions where for example some jurisdictions will take comments on consent items under general public comments at the beginning of the meeting 
uh, where there is even a further limitation of, of speaking time. Some will allow a public comment and the time allocation on all items, and some will allow a time allocation for all consent items. So I think, uh, again, to go back to uh, Andy's reference, what the Brown Act says is that the public has to have an opportunity to speak before action is taken. So you know, I would defer to the committee in regards to uh, that, for example. So if you speak on one item, uh, just to go back to Mr. Handy's point, it doesn't prevent you from speaking on other items. I, I forgot to point that clarification if you've hit your max time. You have the ability to speak on the other items. How we manage public comment for consent items, I would defer back to the committee uh, if there's a preference one way or the other. And, and uh, Mr. Overly's right that it could be that time allocation is allotted to uh, each individual item or the time allocation is uh, allocated to the consent items uh, as, a, as a full. And so generally the way that we do it now, it's not necessarily prescribed, right? And so generally the way that I've handled it is I'll start the timer at three minutes and I've shared with other folks and I, I believe uh, in some instances with consent, we have allowed up to the maximum amount of time because it's been requested. And so generally what happens is, is folks will, and I, I do kind of communicate this to, to folks as well when asked that we'll start the timer at three if you need more time on multiple items and let us know. Sometimes we also don't know how many items they're gonna speak on consent. Some, and the, the advice at the table is to submit a public speaker card on every single item. Uh, that's not always the case. Sometimes it just says consent. And so we're not, we don't necessarily know what items for example, they're gonna speak on. So I would defer back to the committee on any recommendations you might have uh, for that. So before we go there, uh, I just would like to close out 15 uh, in terms of the ability to just register a no vote. Uh, is there any other discussion on, on that? And then we can come back to the question of the, how we handle public comments and consent. And then my follow-up question before we get there, is there, is there an item on here that there isn't and the reason there isn't is because oh, it's, like, it's, it's just not currently yeah. prescribed in the protocols right. exactly okay so just the question on the table is 15 do you have any well i think it's a good idea to make it more efficient yeah. and utilizing that voting technique should do so from the from the viewpoint of council's relationship to consent but i do think this yeah, we'll, we'll come I, I just want to close out 15. I'm good with that. Okay, and I'm, I'm good with 15 too. Okay, so then let's go back to uh, the, the consent uh, and the question that was uh, put forward. Uh, do you want to take your take a shot? Yeah. So I believe Mr. Handy was kind of leaning towards asking. For example, we have come into meetings and had. 11 or 13 or 17 consent items. If, if he has four items he wants to speak on, numbered far apart, can he speak on all of them without being limited to 20 seconds each? Can he make a card for two numbers or three numbers and then make another card for three more numbers and speak a minute each on both? on all six? Or is he limited during consent to one set of commenting? So uh, thank you for the question, Councilmember Campos. So the way that we manage it now is uh, speaker cards are submitted on each individual item. 
And so we kind of manage consent items uh, on a need basis. And I, I think there's even been opportunities where folks in this room may have spoken more than three minutes on consent items. So if the time is needed, the way that we've done it is allocated based on the items. So the, the real question is, is and this is a, a challenge that we have in the protocols, is that we don't handle kind of public communications as one way, right? That was the inconsistencies in our prior protocols is, you know, public communications are this way. And then it said formal items are this way. And then it was silent on consent. So that's kind of how I've applied it is to say, we'll start at three minutes for all of your items. And generally, uh, I think Mr. Handy is, is one of our regular commenters on uh, on uh, consent items. Generally, we don't have that much public comment, but if folks needed more time, they would be allowed more time. And and they would get that time just by requesting it on the fly, right? Yeah, then they they I'm, I'm generally you know monitoring as they speak. But the other question for council or for the committee is uh, the again to to keep in mind the uh, the intention of the consent items. And so the question back to the committee is is if there is 17 items, for example, on consent and a speaker was to submit a speaker card on all 17 items, which at this last council meeting, we did have a speaker submit an item on all uh, consent items. So if, uh, for example, a speaker card was submitted on all 17 items, then that speaker uh, could potentially have 21 minutes or we have an allocated max time of nine, so it's unclear really. And so I've applied kind of a nine, nine minute general rule and kind of tried to work with speakers when they do submit on multiple, you know, the advice at the table, at the staff table out in the hall is when we are having folks submit on multiple cards, they should be engaging in this dialogue as well. Take the council question and then we'll, we'll finish council and then we'll jump back to the. Mr. Durant, Councilmember Durant. No questions right now. Okay. Um, so I'll say where my preference is uh, without making a decision is probably the nine minute rule because I don't want somebody to fill it with the nights that we have 17 speaker cards. I don't want somebody, whatever, three times 17 is um, on it. So I'm probably like inclined to 48 minutes codifying or, the nine minute mm -hmm, rule, but mm -hmm. I- And that's the rule we generally have applied is yeah. maximum amount of time is nine minutes, for example. So, uh, you want to go ahead. And will that require someone to cede time to that person? That, that's a that's a question here. So it it could go either way, where either folks are seating time, or if we're allowing a comment on each individual item. And again, that is a, a question for the committee that could be managed either way. Well, I do have a question. Go ahead, so so what I'm hearing then is if we go nine minutes per person, so we have 17 items on the consent item. We have 10 people that want to speak on multiple items. 10 p that's 90 minutes, an hour and a half. Yeah, I mean, we can talk, I'd like to hear from the, the, the folks that have come, uh, but I, I, I have a comments on that. So, Ms. Spector, you, 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 gotta, you gotta speak up, sorry. Sorry, just for the recording purposes. Thank you. That way it's on the record. You got it. Well, one thing, we keep saying speaker cards, but I see that we eliminated speaker cards, so I'm a little confused how this is gonna work. Um, and I will say the Coastal Commission, um, we were just looking at some of their protocols, they require speaker cards. So I'm wondering if there's like some sort of follow-up to the Coastal Commission or an appeal to the Coastal Commission and there's no record of who spoke and 
it seems like a little bit in conflict with the Coastal Commission because they do require speaker cards. So they require names, yeah. sorry. So I, I just thought we should clarify that. But um, so we keep saying speaker cards, but I thought we got rid yeah. of them. So I'm a little confused. Well, well, is there anybody else that wants to? And I was just one other thing. And I just want to clarify. It seems to me like if there, I want to speak on three consent items. So do I get three minutes, three minutes, three minutes? That's where I'm going to go next. That's, <laughs> it wasn't clear to me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And just to be clear, so if you speak like three minutes, three minutes, and three minutes on consent items, and it's a limit of nine minutes total speaking time on any items in the calendar, does that mean you can't speak on any other items? It's for each agenda item. Yeah, yeah no, it's, you're, okay. you're allowed to speak on each agenda okay. item. I think we're just talking the bulk consent items. So if the new business, old business, you'd still be able to have a separate three minutes uh, for that. This real quick, I mean, we can speak in hypotheticals, but the reality is, and, and Michael will know this, very few people talk on consent items, unless it's about pickleball. And then everybody will talk about pickleball. Okay. Anybody else have any other? Councilmember Campos. I, I want to talk about the time limit, not the consent. Are you amenable to that now, or do you want to finish what you were, you want to finish your thought? I, I think, I, well, I'd like to close out the, this consent. Yes, let's do that. The discussion uh, in terms of the limit. Do, do you have any comments on the, cons again, the consent limit? I, I'm, I'm supporting the way it's moving. Councilmember Duran? You're, you're, I'm sorry, what did you say? I'm supporting the way we're moving with consent as efficiently as possible but allowing for people to speak in such a way that we can understand what they're saying. So if there's a lot of consent items and they need a little more time, maybe we have a negotiating tool for that or something we can come up with. Yeah, I, think we, I think it needs to be said, so I think you were going somewhere with that. Yeah, so I, <clears throat> kind of where I am is, I believe you should only be able to speak for three minutes on one item. So if you want to speak on three items, you can do nine minutes. And I, I think, as uh, Mr. Overly pointed out, it's rare that we have anybody that is there to speak on 12 items. But I, I, I don't want somebody to, to fill out 12 speaker cards on consent and talk about the most random item on any particular agenda just to waste our, our time. So I, I'm inclined to do a nine minute ca cap for total consent. They can talk about, if they want to talk about all of the items during that nine minutes, go for it. But the, the, the max is nine. But if you're going to talk on one item, you should try to limit your comments to three minutes um, on one particular item. Does that sound? Yeah. So, no, so nobody thinks that uh, there'll be five people for nine minutes each, 45 minutes? Mean. Yeah, I, I think a little bit we're moving in. That's the job part of it. You know, yes. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily, but I think the next conversation we would have with city manager and the city attorney would be why were these items on consent? Why do I have 
you know, if they're, they shouldn't have been on consent on the first place. Would. I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but. Say somebody comes up to a consent item and they have their nine minutes, three different items, but they have two people that have ceded time to them for a specific item. We're so if they do that for the one item, they would get the nine minutes on that one. Did they lose the other three minutes on the other two items? I think in general, removing uh, all of our items is a nine minute max per, regardless of that. The nine minute is going to kind of become a per person yeah. per if, consent calendar. And if time gets reduced, you can get more people's time, so you can get your nine minutes get back to nine. But nine is going to become the new. And, and one thing I would add just to that is uh, similar to how, uh, for example, in public communications, the protocols do not allow the seating of time. Mm -hmm. You could also say something like that. If you're already setting a maximum amount of time uh, for yeah. items to be spoken on, you could also say no seating time with on the consent. understanding on consent, with the understanding that if you need a maximum of nine minutes, you, you, have, you, can, it, you have it. And you would minutes. identify yourself at the podium once you get up there that I'm speaking on items one, three, and four which would be the indication that we would set the timer at the maximum. I ask a question. So if you say I'm speaking on one, three, and four, but you never get to three and four, and you spend nine minutes on one. I, I think we would, I would like the policy to say you're encouraged to only spend three minutes on any but, on, on one. But, but hard, but per, hard, per hard item. stop though, right? I mean, yeah, well, but, yeah. and they could speak on one item for nine minutes, but then, right? But then at nine, it's, no, it's over. I, I think if they, if they don't, at, at three minutes, they're like, you've, you've, you've exhausted your time on item two. Yes. Yeah. Is there, is, is there though, uh, to Andy's point, is there an incentive then to just stay, for example, I'm speaking on three items, so you have the nine minutes, or who, for example, at the three minute mark where they've only discussed one item, who then in the meeting, <laughs> is the one to say, sounds like you're still speaking on the same item, your time is up. I'll, I'll point to both of you. I'll, I'll point to... <laughs> that, gets, that gets really difficult, especially, you know, as, as we can see, sometimes it's difficult for us to find a path where the comment is relevant to an item, for example. And so um, I think that we could be setting um, a dangerous precedent to evaluate somebody's comments based on a specific item, although we do now when an item's comments are not germane to, to an item. Uh, my fear is, is that then in looking at the meeting, there's now an avenue for nine minutes regardless of the, the number of items that you're speaking on. So again, it's not something that I, we don't normally have generally a lot of public comment on consent items. But could somebody use that? For example, this individual who submitted a speaker card on all consent items at the last meeting uh, didn't really have an intention of speaking uh, as it relates to those items, for example. And so to Jim's point, or Councilmember Duran's point, if there's 17 items on the agenda, it's easy to say I'm going to speak about three. So then are we then setting the speaking time for consent items at nine minutes? Yes. Generally for anyone, essentially, yeah. we're setting a nine minute speaking time for consent items uh, for any for any speaker on consent up to nine minutes but they would have to tell you they're speaking on three items or more because they can do more. more yeah they can do more yeah but you're going to get nine minutes I mean, the idea is, is, is yes, right? That should be happening now, uh, for example. 
in our current protocols that that would happen now. So, it again, it it, it you know it, it 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 could potentially be challenging to because you say, for example, I'm broaching the three minutes you're, you're, and I know there's another speech. item. Yeah, so then speech. I then I as the speaker say, oh, and on item two, and then I just go back to item one because now I've mentioned item two, so I can keep going. So I just there's a lot. I think there's a lot. There could be some gamesmanship. We got the nine minutes. That's that's the rule. Yeah. It, it might be. I think you're losing. If I may speak freely, I think you're losing the efficiencies of that. I think if you're going to do that, it, it's somebody that's up down the dais trying to discern one to cut somebody off from saying inappropriate, out of context things or whatever. It's very difficult to know what they're saying and when to stop them. I would. My recommendation would be just to leave it the way it is, and then just be clear that if for non-pulled items, you can speak three minutes. Uh, at the beginning of the consent calendar, and then you can speak three minutes for every item that's pulled, uh, rather than rather than trying to police the nine minute. Because honestly, um, while everyone here would probably be very uh, sensitive to that and the Thank rules, you. not everyone will be. Right. Please. Well, it may not be quite as efficient, but then if you've got 17 items, you have a max of nine minutes choose which ones you want to speak on and come up separately. Yeah. Uh, please. <clears throat> we got 10 minutes. <laughs> nine, nine, nine minutes. Honestly, that, that was my thought too. I, I think you get three minutes per consent item. It just makes that to me, like I, I, I total of nine so I can speak on three items or I can speak on whatever but it seems like you should come up and speak about consent item number two then go sit down mm -hmm. then come up and speak about consent item number three and you know it's just that way you're not speaking for nine minutes and rambling and like you know. people have done Does, isn't that more efficient to keep it to specific items no uh, and Mr. Chair, if I may, we don't hear the items separately. That's the challenge. We hear the items as one package consent item. So since we don't hear the items separate, that, that presents a challenge with people speaking at different times because we consider them at once. So that's why consent items, really, uh, if we've done our job, there shouldn't be public comment on consent items unless someone is commenting to say thank you, um, you know, or register a no vote. But there shouldn't generally be nine minutes of comments on a consent item in general. But of course, we still want to provide the opportunity for folks to speak on the items that they are passionate about. So why can't we just remain with you get more time if someone cedes their time to you? Because everybody here knows the ones in the room who will cede time, mm -hmm. who don't like to speak or who are just willing to work with you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why, why, why announce nine minutes are available? I say don't cut time down myself. That's my opinion. But when we're handing out time, let's keep it firm. And people know they can get time ceded to them. Yeah, that could be a good recommendation. Yeah, please. I, I, I like, because right now it's three minutes, and if an item gets pulled, then they have an additional three minutes. I, I agree with you. I, you know, if, I guess if people want to get seated time, they could do that as well. That would give them the time. Yeah. yeah, so we would say three minutes, and then maximum of nine, two people would seed you their three minutes. 
kind of similar to our other items. Yes. Any comments? So do you, pardon, uh, sorry, Councilmember Compost, and for clarification, it's a set three minutes for all items, and then folks concede you to get to a maximum of nine minutes. Is that? Yes. Yeah. So the speaker time is set at three minutes for all consent items. Two people concede you time for a maximum of nine minutes. And if items are pulled, they wouldn't, you wouldn't have public comment? If items got pulled, they'd be considered separately, so I think you'd still have a public comment. Portion. Yeah. You have nine minutes at the beginning, and then you can speak three minutes on each item that were pulled. If you if you got somebody to give you time, you only get three minutes. But he, I, I think what uh, the city attorney is referring to is if an item gets pulled. So then, for example, somebody has spoken nine minutes on a consent item, and then an item gets pulled, and they get an additional three minutes. So essentially, they've had twelve minutes total for consent. But the item was pulled for consideration. Yeah. Was pulled. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe maybe the council members when it's first opened up to the council to pull an item or whatever, maybe the public is given an opportunity to come up and say, I'd like to comment on item three, I'd like to comment on item six or whatever, and then those items could be pulled for comments at that time. So they wouldn't make speaky, they wouldn't have be given three minutes at the beginning of close uh, consent, they would be given three minutes on the items that they, that they requested to be heard on. Because right now, I think we take general comments on consent but if for it three pulled, minutes. If we, it gets pulled, then they get additional time. No, if it, if, uh, right now, if it gets pulled, we separate their public comments. So I pull out the speakers that want to speak on the item that, got, that gets pulled, and then I let them know they'll speak when the item is considered. Okay. So once an item gets pulled, it's removed from, right? right. An announcement is made yeah. that the item is pulled. It's no longer a consent item. Right. So you can't speak on that until that item is is uh, discussed. Does that uh, make sense? Just once again, the speaker cards, how do you know someone's seating time if there are no speaker cards? Do you all line up together and your two friends go first and say, I'm in seat time, and then the next person goes up, I'm in seat time? I, I think the elimination of speaker cards is, is going to actually cause more confusion and be a hassle. So uh, let me, before we get to speak that, uh, I want to, Councilmember Compass's if, if we're good, I, I know that this is a bonus item uh, 28. So, but do we have a, mm -hmm. do we have a consensus on 28? Okay. I think, okay. So are, are you, does staff understand kind of our? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I've got three minutes on consent items. For a maximum of nine minutes, that means two people concede you. So I think in our previous discussions, we're eliminating how many people concede, and we're just saying nine. you get three minutes on all consent items for a maximum of nine. Correct. On each item. No, total, on all consent items. So the whole consent, so 17 consent items, you get three minutes to start. Two people concede you time. You have nine minutes max on all 17 items. If they get pulled, then you get three minutes again. It's yes. separate, but they wouldn't discuss that in their first comments. So the item gets pulled initially, items four is pulled, we'll now take public comment on items one, two, three, and six. Item four, when it gets, uh, you know, and so the, the, the public speaker who wanted to speak on item four, for example, didn't want to speak on one, two, and six. So they would only speak on the item that gets pulled. Okay, are, are you good? With that? Uh, yeah. Yes. Near. Okay. So if we, I have one okay. Five minutes. Yep. So the way I understand what you're saying is 
All the consent items are considered one item, and you're only allowed to speak three minutes on, like if you have 17, and you wanted to speak on three items in that 17, and they pulled like 17, so you had 16 left. Are you only allowed three minutes to speak on all 16, or as Correct. an individual? Or do you have to get seated time to get the nine minutes? You have to get seated time to speak. So you're only allowed three minutes to speak on 16 items. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And they shouldn't. I don't think that's right. And, it, and that's very rare. Yeah, and it, they shouldn't be on consent if they need to be that. The way the consent items have gone when you're having deals with $50 million or $10,000 and they're on a consent item, to me that should not be a consent item. Well, then they get pulled and we, they get pulled. Discuss separately. You have three more mm -hmm. minutes on that. That's if they get pulled at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did, did you want to talk about speaker cards or? Yes. Okay, I, so. I want to bring up, and we may not get it through it tonight, but the getting rid of the speaker cards. Um, I've gotten a lot of email from seniors who have mobility issues a couple of people who come in wheelchairs, but also um, if, if people are trying to hear the interpreter with the headphones, it disturbs people in line sometimes, even through the headphones. So I think just lining people up is not really the best. I know it may be easier for you. It may not, because you lose some control that you have with the cards. And I realize there's a legal issue of the names, but people can write anything down on the speaker card if they remember what they wrote. So I would like to eliminate the idea of lining them up. Sure, and I'll, go ahead, Mr. Chair. I'd like to just table this and we'll pick sure. up with speaker cards on the, the 6th. Sounds good. At six o'clock, so unless, there's anything else? I think we're gonna say, huh? February 6th. February 6th at 6 p.m. Yeah. Same place. Yeah. And again, and then uh, on the 15th oh, uh, at 6 o'clock, and that's, we're going to land this plane at that meeting. And uh, Mr. <laughs> Chair, my apologies. We do have item two, the approval of the minutes. I'd like to get those oh, approved as well. Yeah. Okay, before we adjourn, uh, can so, I get a motion? So moved. If second. The approval of the minutes, item number two was the. We so didn't. you want me to second it? If you or do you want me to move it? I, do, I just moved then it. Then I second it. A motion and a second. Council Member Duran? Yes. Council Member uh, Campos? Yes. And Chair McReynolds? Yes. And the motion carries. Thank you. Okay. So the meeting is adjourned. May I ask? Oh, oh no, go ahead. One more question. Did you, um, we, we also provided you with the um, legislative item. Did you want that to still be a topic yes. for the next meeting? Yes. Please. Okay. okay, perfect. Then we are adjourned. Okay. I'm coming. You talk to me? Oh, oh. <laughs>